Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bueri, and as always, I'm with Fault Finder, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today is our 100th episode, so you may notice an audio difference as we are actually standing outdoors. In order to get to this 100th episode, we do want to thank all of our supporters that have made this podcast possible, especially those on Patreon. Would you consider sponsoring our podcast and the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center too by going to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. As I mentioned, we are standing outdoors. We're actually in the northern part of Pasadena, just above the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, which is part of Caltech, where Lucy, you spent decades working. And we are standing at a fault. In a fault. In a fault. We are standing in the Sierra Madre Fault, and it's the reason that we have the San Gabriel Mountains. They're being pushed up and over the San Gabriel Valley, and it happens along a surface It's a surface that ends up getting rather wide. You can think of it as an area. And right now we're in part of that area. And you can tell because if you look straight ahead, we see this really steep slope going up into the mountains. But just to our left, it goes very flat down into the Hahamanga watershed. It's almost a right angle in a way. If you really, if you look at this, it's like 200 feet up and it's almost straight up compared to where we are at the base of the Arroyo here. Right. And we would call that an inflection point. There's one surface that's flatter towards the south. And then at this point, it turns much steeper. You can get erosion that will get you these surfaces. But to this type of thing of having the mountains come up so abruptly, you can be pretty sure there's a fault somewhere causing those mountains to move up faster than erosion's bringing them down. Okay, so we're describing this to you as you're listening. I'm looking at it almost a sheer face. It looks like, what, like 100 degrees maybe? Not, not 90 degrees exactly. Right, but actually this is the surface caused by the erosion of the arroyo. Oh, I see. Right, so the arroyo, the erosion has cut down this valley, and because it's already farther down and the water moves down there, can erode out even more. What's really important is this other surface parallel to it. JPL is actually sitting in this little niche where the mountains come down and then it goes flat. So many of the buildings in JPL are actually in the fault zone. Now they didn't know it was an active fault at the time they made it. They just wanted to use the Arroyo, which was this big empty place where they could set off jets and not blow up somebody else. You know, I think this is a great point to talk about something that you talk about a lot. And actually, I think we've mentioned maybe before on our podcast, and that's this idea that what you can see as a geologist or someone who studies the earth versus someone like me who hangs out with people who study the earth, (laughs) who knows a lot of facts and figures, but can't see what you see. Yeah, we sometimes joke about the magic eyes of the geologist, but it's something that you get trained to do and and sort of that three-dimensional perception and how you put the pieces together. And so it's not just the fact that there's a steep canyon. You get those when you get water, but it's that there's the steep canyon and then another steep hill that can't be explained by the straight erosion. And even the canyon, the canyon is here because the mountains got moved up and then the water kept on bringing it down. Number one, the big picture where you see with most faults is this concept that you have change in slope. But also, if you went and looked at these rocks closely, you'd see the rocks right above the fault are river sediment. They're the sand and and cobbles that have come down the arroyo. And underneath them are a billion-year-old bedrock. 
Let's go look at that. We're at the Gabrielino Trailhead here. For those that are curious about where we are, we're going down underneath a bridge that crosses from JPL into this parking area that we started at. And under the bridge to that parking lot, we have the Arroyo, and the fault comes out to the Earth's surface just 100 feet or so north of the east parking lot bridge. All right, so as we walk, there's like six inches of water, but it's still flowing here at the bottom of the Arroyo and a lot of debris in this channel. You can also see the river sediment that you talked about, Lucy, in various sizes, larger boulders, smaller rocks and stones. This area changes each year as big storms erode out stuff, smaller ones deposit stuff. When I first came to Pasadena, you could come in here and you knew the Sierra Madre Fault was here, but you couldn't see it directly. And then there was a big storm in 1998 that eroded out quite a bit of the Arroyo and a fault surface showed up. One of the very, very few places where you can actually go in and see the actual surface that's moved in a previous earthquake. Usually we do it with this big picture stuff. Come in here and we see serious bedrock here. I happen to know it's about a billion years old, right? But this is the rock that is the earth itself. For those that are listening, we are going to be posting some photos and some videos explaining all of this on the Patreon website. So if you haven't signed up as a Patreon member, this is a great opportunity to get access to some of the visuals as we talk about these billion-year-old rocks that I'm looking at right in front of me, maybe three feet away. Go a few feet more, and at the same elevation, instead of having bedrock, we've got the sand and the cobbles that are what's been deposited by the riverbed. And so the fault has moved this old rock up and over on top of the river sediment. As a non-geologist, I can see very specifically there's two very different kinds of rocks on both sides of this line that we're standing on. And that's what the geologists get trained to do, is to look at that and say, why? I think that's what's magic about the geologist's eyes, is instead of seeing the world and going, oh, this is what is, we look at the world and go, why is it this way? And most of the time, we can come up with explanations. Now, I see you, Lucy. You're walking towards a little So there's gully. a side canyon, a little okay. ca side gully that, that will feed. When there's water in it, it feeds down into the arroyo. And as we're walking, we're walking over river sediment right now. I see sand and I see boulders. And, and as we come up in here, you can see most of this is very, very finely ground up rock. And the reason this little gully has formed, it's actually running down the fault zone. And one thing about faults, as the earthquakes happen over hundreds of thousands of years, it grinds up the rock on the fault surface. Okay. Right? As it continues to grind down, it finally will get to a fine powder that we call fault gouge. And we can see some of that in here where we see it's, it's sand. But if you go in and actually look at the sand in detail, I mean, some places it's just sand. But then there's other places where it's ground up to the point that it's like a clay. That is fault gouge. You notice the really It's chalky touch. and clay and... Right. And that's because it's been ground up to a much finer grain size than we have for the regular And when part. did this happen? This would be gradually forming over many earthquakes. This fault has a big earthquake once every few thousand years. It's really interesting over the years. As I said, this first showed up in 98 after the big storm. And now, almost 25 years later, it's a lot less clear than it was. Erosion continues to happen. These processes go on and we're seeing it's getting obscured. It's not just at the gouge, but you can actually start seeing the plane that goes right in here. We are seeing actually the fault surface. We no longer can see a place where we can put our hand on it like we could a couple decades ago. But you can clearly see that this is what's the part that's going to move because of the presence of the gouge. So what would happen? We're standing here and I see my hand on one side of this little gully is on this fault and the billion-year-old rocks and gouge. On the other side is regular rock right. uh, from the river, right? Yeah, this is actually a pretty big one that's been consolidated somewhat. If the earthquake happened right now, what's going to happen where we're sitting? 
your left hand is going to end up 15 feet higher than your right hand, and something's going to have to, to change. As this north side moves up, probably about 15 feet. Hey, but it's not going to, cl- like, I'm standing here. It's not going to close, right? It, it's not going to close. I will say, though, at the surface here, it's suddenly 15 feet higher. Gravity's still in effect, so depending on how stable those pieces are, some of it's going to be falling down. This is not a location I'd like to be during the earthquake. <laughs> Good to know. So let's, let's get out of this little gully. <laughs> so the next time there's an earthquake, this side over here on, off to my left is going to go up 15 feet compared to this side where you're sitting. Right. And towards the south. So we, yeah, we sort of ha- would have a hard time of it. Yeah. But we can, we can know that, that people can note that wherever we are right now, at some point, will not exist, not because of erosion, but because the earth has moved it in a way that changes the shape, shape. of the surface exactly. of the earth. Exactly. Exactly. We see earthquakes, geologists see earthquakes as mechanisms for shaping the earth. And as we exit the small gully, we're coming back out to the main channel here of, of the Arroyo. And as we think about what we just experienced, I mean, we always know that rocks are old, right? Like these are rocks that have been around for a long time. But when we talk about a billion-year-old rock, and then we start to touch and see that this gouge, as you called it, is something that is happening in the Earth's process. It's actually shaping the Earth that we live in. And we're here in Southern California. It's where most of our conversations take place. The way that Southern California has formed is because of this process. Southern California is an active tectonic setting. Things are changing in real time. Now, it's a geologist definition of real time, meaning, you know, 10,000 years. It is going to be moving, and we look at that. We can see that it's moved in the past. It's the reason we have our mountains. And it's the reason that Southern California is a livable place, because these mountains trap the clouds and bring us water. If this fault didn't exist and these mountains weren't here we would be a desert here in Southern California. We wouldn't have enough water to have ever started the city of Los Angeles. So as we think about 100 episodes, that's why we're standing out here and not in the studio today. And we think about all the conversations that we've had about tornadoes, about the pandemic, about earthquakes and aftershocks and foreshocks and all the way we talk about the risks we face. As we think about how it takes so much effort to try to get through the life that we live as humans in this natural environment that is the earth, As you look around this, I see flowing water, I hear birds, I see trees. This is like, in a way, a paradise, but it's also so so challenging for us. Those magic eyes of the geologists see not only a dynamic environment that's changing, but hopefully sees the connections. Yes, we have this beautiful valley with the birds, with the stream. They're here because of the faults. And the fault has been changed. What we see of the fault is changed by the plants growing around it. And the idea that this is this complex interconnected system is a way of looking at life and, and a way of looking at issues like climate change. It's a complex interconnected system and everything we do has an impact. It's not clear cut, but they're all connected. And if we want to get through it and leave a world for our children to live in, we need to be understanding that we don't control the world. We live in the world and need to work with it. Well, let's leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Boary with Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a subscriber at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.